How are we doing this morning? It is so, okay, it deserves an applause, absolutely. Well, it's so good to see you guys this morning. I'm glad that you are here. Aren't we thankful that we have phones that will automatically change the time for us? Because that's why you're here. Those who don't have those phones, maybe those Android people, there will be here at 12. So we'll see them a little bit. That hour kind of makes a difference, doesn't it? It really does. You don't think it does, but until it actually hits you, you're like, yes, this makes a difference. But let me celebrate something real quick before I jump in. I got to celebrate something, and we had our 15th, 16th annual, I don't even know, 40th annual father-daughter ball last Thursday. It deserved more than that, but okay. I'll take that. I have to show you, these are some of the pictures of our fathers and our daughters. They all came out. It was so, so great. I'll let that just kind of roll for you a minute because nothing more cuter and exciting than uh, a bunch of dads dancing with their daughters. It was just so, so cool. And I've got to give a shout out. I want to give a big round of applause to Terry and her team, the kids ministry team who put this on. <clears throat> Super cool. But just, it, just an incredible time. I think they were all saying yay on that one, or it was the YMCA. I'm not sure. It was, yes. Um, there it is, at the YMCA. Now, is there a picture? Now, here's the deal. Y'all probably don't know this unless you were there. They actually hired a world-famous DJ. I don't know why you're laughing like that. I was turning the records like nobody's business, Okay. I was up there, you know, just doing the thing. And the most requested song that came along during this whole father-daughter ball was every little girl that came up to the DJ booth while I was mixing was this. We don't talk about Bruno. I don't know who Bruno is, but apparently no one's talking about him because I never heard of this. We don't talk about Bruno. Who has heard this song? Okay. Put your hands up. So real quickly, who has not heard this song along with? Okay. All right. So I feel better because I was the only person in the room who did not know this song. Every little girl in there singing, we don't talk about Bruno and shaking their finger at me. And I'm like, what, did, what is going on here? Well, apparently I did some research, and it is the actual most listened to song in the, yes, okay, in the Disney franchise, It Beat Let It Go. I at least know that one. I'll sing it for you. Let, no, I'm kidding. All right. Father, daughter, ball, one more time. Give our kids ministry team a big round of applause. They are amazing, incredible deal, um, and I believe I got the gig for next year, so you want to be there, okay? I'm going to be, we, 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 you, you don't nothing up about Bruno. It's going to be awesome, okay? I'm going to do a whole remix on We Don't Talk About Bruno. It's going to actually be called We Now Talk About Bruno, okay? Now, let me jump in. So, hey, this is our series. We're closing the series down today on the Temptation series. If you've not, Pastor King has done an amazing job in the last few weeks really talking about temptation and where that goes. So if you haven't seen them all or if you missed any, really go back to our website and watch those. 
We are closing it down today. I'm going to actually end the series uh, in a, in, during this service. And then next year we got a special treat for you, so you don't want to miss that as well. So this is it, but go back and look at it. So we're talking about temptation, and today we're going to really talk about how do we uh, combat that? How, how do we fight that? How do we overcome that? How do we know that God says there is a way out? So we're going to jump in. You got your Bibles. Please open to Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 16. Going to go through all the way to 26. I'm going to read all the way through. So, okay, read this with me. We're going to break some of it down. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff here, and then we'll be done here probably in about an hour and a half, two hours, okay? It'll be amazing. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so read with me, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as, thank you. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not uh, gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires uh, what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, listen, and envy and drunkenness, orgies, and, and the like. I warn you, I did before, I warn you like I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is where the good stuff, you know, here we go. He says, I, I, I love that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Ah, there's a lot there. So we'll break some of that down. We'll talk about it, but let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. And Father, I pray that this morning as we continue to dive into your word and talking about this thing called temptation, that every single one of us in this room experience, go through, no matter age. God, I pray that you would lead and guide and direct us. God, I pray that today that your spirit will move in this place. God, I pray that today that we will keep in step with your spirit as we explore our lives. So Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Some misunderstandings that maybe uh, that happen with temptation. Let's, let's look at just a couple. Right? One is temptation itself is a sin. That's not true. Tempta temptation itself is not sinful, okay? The acting of the temptation, that's where the sin comes in. So being tempted, uh, you know, by whatever is not a sin. That's a misconception, all right? God is disappointed and displeased when we're tempted. That's not true either. you got to remember, Jesus was tempted. 
All right? To be strongly tempted means we are guilty as if we had actually committed the sin. That's what the enemy likes to do. And when we're tempted on something and we, we don't act on it, and now we're getting guilty and we feel that guiltiness just rise up inside of us. That's a trick of the enemy. That's not true. When I'm spiritually mature, here's a good one. Here's what, there's a misconception of this. Man, when I get spiritually mature, when I'm reading my Bible, and when I'm all in, and I'm just, hey, hallelujah, Jesus, I'll never be tempted. That's not true. Temptation is there. Now, all those things right there I just said will help us combat that, fight that. Amen? Let's, yeah, I need an amen on that one, okay? So those are some things. So what do we do? What do we do when temptation comes? I'm going to give you a few things here. I'm going to break it down. Just kind of hang on for this ride and stay with me, okay? One of them is this. We got to remove it, okay? You got to remove it. The, the Bible says this in, in, in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Flee the evil desires. You got to run. Pastor Key mentioned this last week about Joseph being in Potiphar's house. You know, being, being, you know, tempted by, by this woman. And what did he do? He ran. He took off. He fled. We have to flee those things. God is not impressed on how well we can stand there and be tempted and not sin. You don't lock an alcoholic in a liquor store and say, let's see how much you can not drink. You don't go in the liquor store. You run from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's, it's about removing it, getting it out of your life, because here's what happens if we, if we entertain those things, if we try to mess with those things. What you feed grows. Yes? What you feed will grow. You feed that, it's going to grow. You feed your plants, you feed yourself, you feed your kids. Trust me, I know, they will grow. If you don't feed, if, you, if what you starve dies. So what you starve dies. You, you don't feed your plants. You don't feed your kids. They're going to starve. And they will die. It's very important that we understand that. Feed your sinful desires and they will grow. They will grow. Starve them. They're going to die. I hope you hear that this morning. We got to starve those desires. So when they happen, when they're there, I always say, that, listen, I mean, I'm just putting it this way. I've heard this so many times. The first look is not a sin. It's that second, third, fourth look. That becomes the sin. So if you feed that and you continue to feed that, that's going to grow. And it grows inside you. It grows and moves in you. If you fan the flame, the flame's going to grow right. If you have a flame, you add oxygen to it, and you fan that flame, it will grow. Let me tell you something that happened to me. I saw this happen in real life to me with flame. Rob, you'll appreciate this. So I meet this amazing woman, okay? Her name is Vicky, okay? And I wanted to marry her, but I've not even asked her out yet. I've already known that this is the woman for me. We were going to church together. She was coaching at McNeil High School. I was coaching at Lake Travis High School. We met together. We, we, we found each other at a basketball camp. And I'm like, she's incredible, right? She would beat me in one-on-one. I was like, I got to marry her, okay? Because nobody beats me in one-on-one. Right, so I'm not going to say if I let her win or not. But I know. No, so one day... We go to church together. I, mean, I was really feeling for this lady, and I just knew that I loved her, and I wanted to marry her one day, and I was going to pump her gas for her because apparently in Texas, you're not allowed to pump your gas if you have a boyfriend or a husband, okay? So that's what she told me. 
So I stop at the gas station, I pump her gas for her, I'm in my car, she's in her car, and so I get her gas. And I had one of those things where, you know, you pull out the gas and there's like still, you know, it's just coming out of it. Yes, it flies out and lands on my foot. I'm like, great, I just got gas all over my left foot. I can smell it. Don't you hate when that happens, when you get it on you and you're like, oh, man. We're going to go back and have, have a great lunch after church with her. Now I smell like gas, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this woman's going to think I'm crazy. And my foot's, you know, got gas all over it. So I go, hey, I've spilled some gas. I'm sorry. And, you know, hey, just follow me, and we'll head to lunch. So we get down the road, and she's behind me, and I'm driving. And listen, listen, I was probably 24, 20, 25 years old, something like that. And I used to love putting stereos, and I would do my own stereo work in my car, and I would run wires everywhere. And I ran a wire from the battery to an amplifier under the seat of my car, and that wire caught on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm doing about 65, 70 miles an hour down, you know, 620 or 3, yeah, 620. And then all of a sudden, it caught on fire underneath where the, you know, I'm driving where the brake is, and it fell on my foot. You can't make this kind of stuff up. She's behind me. Now I look down, my foot's on fire. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And I'm thinking to myself while this is happening, this woman that I want to one day marry, maybe even ask out on a date, is behind me. I'm on fire. And so I do this. I don't want to stop the car. I don't want to do anything. I go. I just start stomping. I don't know this and realize that she tells me later, I'm like this all over the road. Because I'm like, hey, man, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. So I'm stomping. Most smart people would, you know, stop the car, you know, or something like that. And they tell you when you're on fire, three things. Stop drop and roll. Oh, that's easy to say when you're not on fire, okay? And I did this. I know you get, don't, please don't judge me. And I know you already are, but that's all right. I, oh, this is roll down the window for those of you that are, sorry, some of y'all going, what is this? Why is he doing that? Teenagers, this is roll down the window. This is how we used to do it, right? We're all the people that without, yeah, there you go. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or we're the poor people that, y'all know what I'm talking about. You had to do this. <laughs> so I do this thinking like a birthday candle, like a, you know, like I was just thinking if, if, if the wind would just hit it, it'll blow it out. Oh, don't get ahead of me, okay? <laughs> don't get ahead of the story. So I take my foot and I just stick it out the window. Now, Vicky's behind me going, what are you doing? <laughs> this is before cell phones, too. So she's not calling going, hey, uh, your foot's on fire. No, nothing like that. And it hits that wind. It did not blow it out. It engulfed it. It said, Whoosh. and now it hit the pant leg. Now it's going, and I'm like, oh, I'm truly on fire. So at this point, Finally, the brain kicks in and goes, you should pull over. I pull over, and again, I know what to do. I've heard the stop, drop, and roll. But again, when you're on fire, that's not what you're thinking. So now I'm literally on fire. I mean, it's, it's coming up. I get out the car. I pull over. She pulls up behind me, and I just jump out of the car and start running. 
I'm running. I'm just running down 620, and I'm going, and I'm trying to stop. I'm just, I can only imagine people driving by going, stop, chop, and roll, man. She's running behind me. I'm throwing, she's now running with me, and she yells, take your shoe off, dummy. Maybe I added the dummy, all right? I hear, take your shoe off. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I literally am doing this, took my shoe off. It's on fire, and I throw it in the ditch. <clears throat> She runs up beside me and goes, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> runs up beside me. We're staring at my shoe as it's simmering in the ditch, you know, and I'm just like, this is a beautiful moment. <laughs> Maybe I should ask her to marry me now, you know. <laughs> Bad timing. She goes, why didn't you not stop 45 minutes ago? You know, why didn't you not stop? I was like, I don't know. You panicked. I panicked. I was on fire. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to. I was embarrassed. I was, you know, I, I, I wanted her to date me. You know, um, but who dates a guy that's on fire? So we get back to the car and find out the issue and the problem. And I'm kind of looking under the trunk. And I'm just, again, just so embarrassed. My wife is, well, not yet wife, but going to be one day, hopefully. Stares in the back seat, and she goes, excuse me, can you come here for a minute? I was like, uh-oh, yes. I walk over to the back. She points at something goes, can you tell me what that is? I go, oh, yeah, that's a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I had a fire extinguisher in the back of the car. And she goes, I always wondered who would keep a fire extinguisher with them. <laughs> I go, guys that catch themselves on fire uh, and not use it. Here's the point of this story. Temptation is like that and sin is like that. And why I share that with you today is because here's the thing. If we fan that flame of temptation, we fan that flame of sin, do you understand what's going to happen? It's going to grow. And it's going to continue to grow and continue to grow until you completely engulf yourselves. Are you hearing me this morning? It's so important to hear this to me because if I knew what to do. I knew that you stopped, drop, and roll. I should have taken my shoe off. I should have done those things, but I got so caught up in the moment. I got so caught up in the fear. I got so caught up in this is what was going on and the embarrassment. And not just, I was trying to put it out before my wife or one, one day going to be wife, whatever, saw this. I let it go. And that's what happens so many times with temptation. We get involved in it. We see it and we let it grow. We let it grow. We let it grow. And before you know it, it's engulfed you and you're living in sin can't fan it. We have to remove it. Take your shoe off, dummy. Got to remove it. Here's the next one. Resist it. Resist it. How do we do that? How do we resist it? Look what the Bible says. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will, re he will remove himself. He will flee. See, we're supposed to run from it, but then if now we resist the devil, we say, no, I'm, gonna I'm not, I'm not going to fan it. I'm not going to get involved in it. Then here's what's going to happen. The devil is going to flee from us. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we do this? A couple things. Let me give you this. Overcoming the appetites of the flesh. How do we overcome the appetites of the flesh? One, depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has power. Do you believe that this morning? The Holy, the Holy Spirit has power. Some fall into temptation. But here's why. Because a great many make plans for disaster ahead of time. Listen to that. 
Many will fall into temptation because you're making plans for disaster ahead of time. There was this dad, he told his son, he said, hey, listen, do not swim in the canal. Don't swim in it. The little boy said, okay, dad, absolutely. I'm not going to swim in the canal. He then comes home later that evening with a wet bathing suit. He said, dude, where have you been? He said, swimming in the canal. He's like, well, hold on. Didn't I tell you not to swim in the canal? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, why did you do it then? What made you go to the canal So after I told you not to? He said, well, Dad, listen, I had my bathing suit with me so I couldn't resist the temptation. He said, why did you take your bathing suit with you to, to you know, to, 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 I told you not to swim in it. Why did you take your bathing suit? This little boy said this. He said, so I'd be prepared to swim in case I was tempted. <laughs> but don't we do that? If we prepare to sin, we're going to sin. Too many of us expect to sin, so we sin. We have to resist it. Have to resist the sin. Romans 8 puts it best right here. Romans 8, verse 12 through 13. It'll be up on your screen. You write this down. It says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Listen to that again. You have no obligation. So we have no obligation to when those things hit us and they pull us and they grab us, we say, should I do this? React in anger. Take a second look. Do things like that. Still, what, I mean, we can go down the list of things. It says we have no obligation to do, uh, to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its uh, 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 dictates, you will die. If you live by those things, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. And look what it says right here. You will, you will, listen, the Bible says this, sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. And the death that it's talking about is not necessarily a physical death. Now, that is definitely true. You can, sin leads to a physical death. But it's talking about a spiritual death where we're separated. When we sin and we fall short of the glory of God, what happens is we have a separation from God until we get things right with Him. And I think some of the saddest moments and the saddest times in people's lives, and, and listen, I'm telling you, for me, I've been more, I guess, ached by times that I was not living with God and through God after knowing Him than before I knew Him. Does that make sense? Before I knew Him, I really didn't know that I didn't know. But once I did know him and then would sin and not confess and not get right and feel like I'm a million miles away from him, I was the most miserable because sin will separate us from God. Hang on to that. We have, we have no obligation to do what our sinful nature urges us to do. Whenever we play with temptation, it's easy, easy to drift it's very easy to drift away when we play with temptation, when we think that we got it figured out, or we think that we're mature enough spiritually, oh, I can handle this. Oh, I can be here in this situation, in that circumstance, or whatever, because I know how strong I am. God doesn't want us to play with him like that. And it's very easy to drift. And before you know it, you can drift. This happened to me. I used to surf. I'm from Galveston, Texas. Grew up in Galveston. Loved Galveston. And I spent a lot of time on the seawall just, you know, riding my bike down up and down the seawall. And I surfed. I loved surfing back in the day. And it's not the greatest surf, but there's certain places and certain times during hurricanes. There's, the surfing's amazing. 
But me and some buddies one time, we went out, you know, in the surf, and it was a beautiful day, and we go out past the surf. Sometimes you can actually go out there where it's a little bit calmer, and this was out on the east end by the east jetties. There was some really good surfing out there, and I went out there, and we were just kind of, we laid back on our boards. We just kind of laid back, and we were just kind of just, you know, listening to the wind and talking about life, and it felt like it was like a snap of a finger, but who knows how long, and all of a sudden we hear, we had drifted from just the east end over there, you know, not too far, I'm, 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 I'm definitely close to a half a mile into the ship channel, the Houston ship channel. And we look up and we're like, this is nowhere where we started. And it was frightening. These giant freight liners were coming through. People, and they were literally looking down at us going, well, you're idiots, you know. And we're looking at each other going, how did that happen? Like we just laid our head back for a second and we felt like, and we drifted into that. Guys, if we lay our head down for a second with temptation, you will drift away from God. And you will drift right into the ship channel. Listen to that. I didn't see the danger until the actual danger was, uh, was, was there on me. Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, 1 says, pay very close attention to the things that you've heard so you do not drift away. Here's the next one. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We read this in Galatians, but Galatians 5, 24, 25 says, those who belong to Christ, those who have a relationship with Jesus, those who have, you've surrendered your life, you, you've given your life, you, you know that right now where you sit, you have a relationship with Christ, that the, the old is gone, the new has come, you become a brand new creation, your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, you know Jesus. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The prompting of the Spirit will help us. The prompting of the Spirit will move us. That's what is so great about having Christ in us. And if you don't have that, you're missing that and you're in bad shape. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, if you don't truly know Christ this morning, you're not having a prompting of the Holy Spirit because he's not in you yet. But those of us that do have that, we know Christ, we know him, we're going to have that prompting of him. He's going to move in us and there's power in that, in that spirit. It's the power of the Spirit, not our own. But there is a way out. So there is a way out. Let me give you this, okay? There's a way out here. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Look at this. If you got your Bibles, write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Many of you kind of, we get this little scripture here confused with this statement. God will never give you anything you can, uh, can't handle. You ever heard that before? Probably said it. That's not biblical. That is nowhere in scripture that God says that he will give, not give you more than you can handle. Because guess what? God is going to give you more than you can handle. So you can lean on him to get through it. So you can have him to help you. He is going to give you more than you can handle. So don't get the scripture miscommunicated with that statement that has been thrown around in this world. You got me? Because that's not what that means. 
This means temptation. He's not going to say, here, take this, here, you know, go this direction. No, no, no. That's not how he's prompting us. He is prompting us to go the right way, not the wrong way, just to test us. That's not how God's working this, just so you know. No temptation is overtaking you except for what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, because you will be, every one of us in this room is tempted in some way or the other. It says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide, everybody say a way out. A way out. He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. We got to remember what I just said a minute ago. What we feed grows. What we feed grows. What we starve dies. And we feed our flesh and we feed our spirit. When we feed the spirit, the spirit is going to grow. If we feed that flesh with those things that we should not be feeding it with, it's going to grow as well. So hang on to that. So there's a way out. Feed your spirit. Let me give you a couple things and then we'll, we'll kind of close down here in a minute. First is this. Write this down. Feed your spirit with prayer. we got to feed our spirit with prayer. Prayer is so important. And I'm not talking about just laying your head down at bed going, hey, God, thanks for this day. And I know many of us have done this, and I have too in my whole life, you know, in my life. It's just like laying there, busy day, but just laying down going, Lord, thank you for this day. Who's done that? Yeah, we all have. I encourage you, write your prayers out. You know what? Take a journal. Start writing your prayers out. Writing in your prayer journal. Or even use your phone. I use my notes in my phone. I like to write in my, it's just because I have it with me. It's always with me. And I can actually take my phone out and write down my prayers that I have and just state them and over and over and over. I have prayers that I pray for my children that I put in my notes. And I will go back and I will read those as my prayer to him. When I'm thinking about my kids, there's prayers that I have for my wife that I keep in my phone. I just go back and I, and I, and I, and I read those. Prayer is so important. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray. So we have to watch out for it. You have to look for it. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think we can all say this. The enemy knows us. The enemy knows our weaknesses. The enemy knows where, where our kink in the armor is. That he knows this. He knows where that kink is. He knows where, 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 we, where we fall short. He knows where we struggle. He knows where our mind is. And you know what the kink in the armor is, right? Back in the old days when the kings and stuff would fight, they would have this chain mail on it. And if there was a kink in that armor, if you're fighting a guy and you see he has a kink, you go for that kink because it's weak. And it's so weak you could get through the armor. The enemy knows where that kink is, so he is going to attack that kink. So it's so important. And even in 1 Peter 5, 8, remember what Peter says, he says, you got to watch out because the enemy is like a what? A roaring lion ready to pounce. Now look, we hear that and we go, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's, that seems right. But do you understand during that time there were lions attacking people, Okay. So if you hear that or read that or if somebody says that to you at that time, you're like, oh, I know that. They took my Uncle Jimmy just the other day, right, you know. We were walking down the path. They got him right there. We weren't watching. And here comes a lion. Just, just ran off with him. That happened. You imagine walking outside and there, you could be lions out there, you know, hiding under the baptismal. You would probably watch out, yes. You don't just go walk willy-nilly out there. No, no, no. You would be like. 
So this is real for them. They, they would walk down paths and lions would attack them. We have to have that same mentality because when you walk out that door, guess what? The enemy is going to be hiding out there waiting to jump you. He's some, for some of you, he's in your car on the drive home to fight with your wife or your husband, to yell at the kids, to talk about something else other than what, I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. The enemy knows. I'll tell you this little story. Sorry, it's story day. These things just come up when I start talking. I did a camp. You know I've done camps for 25 years. <clears throat> Been doing student camps for 25 years. Still driving another one next year. Still going to do it until God says stop. And I remember I'd always say this on the last night of camp. At the last night of camp, when students come and they raise their hands and worship all week, they've given their life to the Lord all week, they've had these incredible moments with God all week, and it's just been this incredible time. God wants to use them back at home. God wants them to go back home on fire for him to lead others to him. But the enemy does not want that, right? The enemy's against that. The enemy's going to do whatever he possibly can to attack that, but we got to watch and pray. And I would always say this to every student there. I said, guys, the devil is going to be waiting for you in the driveway when you get home. I would just say it. I would say it because I wanted them to know when you get home, be ready for that attack. Be ready for that lion. Be ready for those thoughts that will come into your head that, oh, those decisions you made weren't real. Oh, you know, that worship that you were doing wasn't real. And they would go home and fall back into the life that they were living before they came to camp. Does that make sense? So I'd say that all the time. Well, one year I get an email from a girl. This little girl is a senior in high school and she sends me this deal. She says, Pastor Casey, da, 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 whatever, you know, went to camp, gave my life to the Lord on Wednesday night. And we did this crazy Wednesday night, you know, come to Jesus night. And it was just really cool. And she's like, man, everything changed for me that night. It was the most amazing thing ever. And she said, on the last day of camp, you said the devil will be waiting for me in the driveway. And she said, I got home and a boyfriend who's been beating me, who's a drug dealer, who's raped me, who's, and just went on these things, says, was sitting in my driveway. And she said, I automatically remember you said the enemy's going to be waiting for me. Because this little girl gets off a bus, excited, happy, about this new relationship with Jesus. She jumps in her car. She's heading home to tell her mom and dad about the relationships that she had been in. She's going home to tell her mom and dad about this decision she's made to follow Jesus. And she's heading there. There's the boyfriend sitting in the car. So she pulls the car over. She pulls out her phone and she calls the girls that she had met at camp. He said, you, could, you said to call me if they ever needed anything. She said, my boyfriend, and they knew her story. She shared it in a small group that, you know, one of the nights. says, is in my driveway. The girl said, we are on our way. And they had packed up and started heading there. And she just put her head down and just started praying. The girl just found Jesus and she starts praying. And she says in her email to me, as I was praying, but not even knowing what to say, he started his car and drove away. And as he drove away, the other girls drove into her driveway. She pulled into the driveway. They got out. They embraced and they went in and talked to the parents. The enemy is real. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. 
So we have to feed our spirits with prayer. Feed it with prayer. Watch and pray. The next one is this. Feed your spirit with God's word. Feed your spirit with God's word. It is the daily bread. It is the bread of life. Have a moment. Find a quiet time. Stay in your word. Keep reading it and reading it and reading it. There are so many ways now to read your Bible. Every phone has an app that you can download to read your Bible. It can give you a reminder because you're like, oh, I'm busy. I want to read, but no, okay, read the scripture. Read this word. Stay in the word. Continue to put the word in you more and more you can. Psalms 119.9.11 says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a great question. How can not even a young person, how can an old person, how can anybody stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have to put the word in us. There was this king, and every time he would get sick, he would take a piece of God's word, and he would rip it off, and he would eat it, and then he would feel better. And then he, again, he would do it over and over and over until one day he was really sick, did not feel good. And he goes, I have, he just tore a ton of pages off of it and ate it. And you know what happened to him? He died because that's not how you put God's word in you. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, wow, is that the remedy? No, that's dumb. No. You put it here and here. That's God's word. We dive into it. We read it. We get into it. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater he that is in you than is in the world, the enemy. And guess what? I'm going to choose who's in me. And I hope you do the same. So feed your spirit with God's word. Last one. Feed your spirit with the right people. Feed your spirit with the right people. It's who the people you put yourself around is going to help you. Okay? It's just what it is. The people you put yourself around is going to lead you in the right way. You put yourself around people who are not living like they're supposed to. Guess what? You're going to live like that too. I heard a story about a guy. He said he walked into the doctor. He said, doctor, I broke my arm in two places. Doctor said, you better stop going to those places. <laughs> Let that catch up. We keep going to those places, it's going to break us. We keep going to those places that we're not supposed to go, it's going to destroy us. Being with the wrong people never helps us do the right thing. The scripture right here actually means a lot to me. It's one of those weird things that happened to me in my life. But I'll read it to you in, in second after I tell you how I found this scripture one time. Living in Houston, Texas, I'd give my life to the Lord, but I struggled. I struggled because I didn't have a lot of Christian friends. I didn't have a lot of Christian people in my life. I didn't have, uh, you know, Christian parents. I didn't have a, just a way of thing. And I was living in Houston. I was working. And, 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 and I, I just, I was struggling. And it was a struggle because, listen, when you don't have those people around you, it's really hard to wake yourself up in the morning and just go find a church when you, you know, and it's just, it is. And I know it was. It was for me. 
But I knew that I needed it. I knew that and every day I would say I need it, but I just kept getting involved with the wrong people, kept getting in the wrong, the wrong things, going the wrong direction, feeling a million miles away from God. And I would never suggest doing this. I'm not suggesting doing this. But one day I was so fed up. I was just so broken. I got on my knees on, in my apartment floor. I got on my knees and I opened and I just said, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I can't do this anymore. God, I just start just, I mean, I'm begging God. I'm yelling at God. I'm just whatever. And I threw my Bible open and I threw my finger down. I'm not making this up. I just go, tell me something, God. And I threw my finger down on this deal and I hit it. And it was like, so-and-so begot so-and-so. No, that's usually what will happen. Don't do this. But I did that day. And I threw my finger down, and it actually hit this scripture right here. This is what it said. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You talk about just a shot. Especially in a moment where I'm having, where I'm on my knees, and I'm just going, you know, just freaking out and just having this moment. And I'm like... Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. The rest of this verse kind of goes like this. It says, you know, bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. And then it says this. And this is not up here, but this is what it says. This is what really hit me. I knew Christ. I had a relationship with the Lord. But I had drifted into the ship channel. I had been fanning the flame of the fire of temptation and sin. It says, come back to your senses, you ought, and stop sinning. It says, for there are some who are ignorant of God. Some who don't know God. Hey, those people that you've been hanging with, they don't even know Jesus. So some are ignorant of God. And look at what it said right here. This is what hit me the most. It says, I say this to your shame. And I remember being with some of the most brokenness I've ever been broken. As I'm on my knees, I'm on the floor, God just, just threw this scripture at me. It just says, come back to your senses. Stop sinning for some don't even know God. And I say this to your shame. And right in that moment, I was able to repent. And I was just, I'm sorry, God, that I'm not going to fan the flame of these things anymore. i got to be careful who I'm hanging out with. And I made a decision that day. It was one of the most pinnacle moments in my life. I made a decision that day. I had made a decision several years before to follow Jesus, to, to, to have a relationship with Christ, to come to know Jesus. I made that decision and was baptized. But then I made some other decisions to follow the wrong people and do the wrong things. And I was doing this up and down, as I would call it all the time, this roller coaster ride of Christianity. And then this moment when I'm on the floor crying, broken, I made a decision to say, I'm following you. I'm following you. And I'm sorry, God. And when I repented that day, 
And I said, and the one thing that hit me, and I think this is where I got my, my heart for evangelism, my heart to see people know Jesus, my heart to know, I want people to know what I know. I want people to taste what I've tasted. I want people to experience and feel what I feel, to have a relationship with Jesus. It said, when some are ignorant of God and they, I say this to your shame, oh, it hit me. Like a ton of bricks in my heart, it hit me. And in that moment, I said, I want to make sure I tell everybody I know about Jesus, whether with my words or my actions, I'm telling people about Jesus. Got to. And God moved in me in that day. And it wasn't like I said to these people, hey, uh, I, I no longer, you know, uh, and it was. It was kind of like I did say, I no longer can hang out with you. And I no longer can go to these places that you're going to. But I, 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 they were still friends, right? But for me, I was like, hey, let's have lunch. And I start sharing Jesus with them. I just start telling about when I got saved and sharing my testimony and sharing my world with them. And, and some were like, well, that's awesome, man. We're going to the club tonight. You in? You're not hearing me, man. Some didn't get it. Some said, hey, that, you're a little Bible beater. I'm not down with that and left. And I lost friends. But I did have some say, tell me more. I had some say, man, I, I, I'm that way too. I've just been hanging around with the wrong people. I thought you were the wrong person. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but I'm not anymore. And we began to have a group of guys and we start calling others that wanted the same what we wanted. It can happen. Some are ignorant of God and I say it to your shame. People we pass, people we work with, people we go to school with may not know Jesus. God wants us to share him with them. Would you close your eyes and be real still? I'm going to pray for us this morning. Temptation is real. never ending, can't be surprised by it, but we can overtake it. We can pray. It's our power through prayer. It's our strength in God's word. And it's our goodness through our people. But I have to ask you this, this morning and I'm not asking anybody to look around. I just want to pray with you this morning. Maybe you need Jesus this morning. Maybe you just need to repent this morning. This morning. Maybe you just need to find a place to just maybe come to the altar and just kind of get on your knees and just ask God to, to speak to you. Maybe, maybe some of this word this morning just spoke with you this morning. You just need that. But more than anything, maybe there's somebody in this room that you need to begin a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've never stepped across that line. Maybe you've stood there many times and you've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it, but you've never made that step to say, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm following you. I can't leave this today without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I can't leave this this morning without you making a decision if it's God's will and you pray and, and you feel the Spirit moving in you that you need to make that step to follow Him. I can't leave this morning without giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to rescue you, to save you. The Bible very clearly says we confess with our mouth, but we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he died for us on the cross. That God sent him to pay the debt for our sin. 
And he says that we believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouths that Jesus died. He rose again. And he's coming back for us. We believe that. And God wants you to make that step to follow him. So maybe this morning, that's you. You're saying, that's what I need. I need Jesus. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of playing with temptation that keeps overtaking me. I need to be prompted by that Holy Spirit. Because it's the only thing that's going to prompt you is the Holy Spirit. And that's what you need inside you. Because when you confess your sins and ask Jesus to come inside you, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us to help us and guide us and direct us. So if that's you this morning, would you pray this prayer with me? This is not a magic prayer. This is just a prayer of you saying, God, I need you. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. God, I believe in my heart that you are real. Jesus, I can't take another step without confessing my sins to you. So, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Rescue me. Save me. God, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to go all in. I need you. right now, right here in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's nobody looking around. I just want to pray for you this morning. If this morning you prayed and you asked Jesus to come into your life, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me. Anybody in this room, maybe... Some of you are saying, hey, I'm saved. I've given my life to the Lord. But my next step is baptism, and I haven't gone that route. Maybe this morning is that route. I got the baptism sitting right over here, and I'm telling you what, that water is warm. And if this morning you're saying, you know, if that's me, I'll grab your shirt. We'll do it We'll do it right after this song we're about to sing. You come find me if that's you. You just need to be baptized. Maybe some of you just need prayer. We're going to open this altar up right here for you to come. Get on your face. Get on your, Just come and talk to Jesus. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thanks for this morning. Thanks for the fun that we can have. But, God, thank you for moving in this place. I ask you for those who made decisions to follow you this morning, God, that you will prompt them now with the spirit that is in them to come and let's talk about the next step. God, I pray that your spirit will prompt, just move in the hearts of those who know you this morning to maybe come and get on their faces and get real with you this morning, to get things right, just to repent about removing some things maybe in their lives, fleeing from things that are in their lives, running from sin and temptation. God, I pray we can have an altar time this morning that's real. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hey, would you stand? Let's sing this song. The altar is open. If you need some prayer, you need something, come on down, and we'll close in a moment.